Brother Jerry, the pastor here at Friendship Baptist Church, and you are about to watch one of our messages. I hope that during this time that you would prayerfully listen. I hope that the Lord speaks to you, that he uses this message to help you grow. I hope you're able to experience God. I hope you're able to connect with him and connect with our church. I hope that you're able to respond to what he's doing in your life. I hope you enjoy. May the Lord bless you during this time.
another in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Father, Lord, we continue this morning, Lord, in your presence, Father, we, we continue this morning singing hymns and, and praising, Lord, Lord, that's all part of what we've been doing, Lord, Lord, we rejoice today getting to do that together, we come together in the fear of who you are and all of who you are, worshiping you, mighty Lord, that we come before you today, and Lord, I pray that we continue that spirit as we open up your word, as we hear your word, as we hear your message, that you would be prominent, Lord, that you would be what it's all about, Father. And Lord, I just pray, I pray that, Lord, you help us with this simple thing this morning, being filled with the Spirit. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Did you hear it? Verse 18, be filled, but be filled with the Spirit. Before that, it says, do not be drunk and wine. Um, um, that really could be anything there. Do not let anything take priority over the Spirit of God. Anything. He says, but be filled with the Spirit of God. Now, I want us to understand something. This word here, pleruste, that's what it is in Greek. Pleruste. And that word, to, to be filled, that's what the word is, to be filled, pleruste, with the Spirit. Now, when I talk about Greek words, I, 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 I laugh sometimes. I say, y'all don't understand any of that. I get that, and I try to help explain it. Now, I, but I want to be clear about something again this morning. Is when I talk about the Greek I'm not doing that to puff myself up to, to talk about any of my knowledge or my study, although I have worked very hard in studying and, and, and gaining knowledge of that, but it's not about me in even talking about the Greek. The reason I talk about the Greek is because that is the original language. And we can get so much from the original language that we struggle with in the English. So I just want to pull some of those things out. If we have access, and here's the thing, church, every one of you all have the same access to the Greek New Testament and tools that open it up and let it fire you. It scares us to think about it. But if any of you, I give you two minutes, I can show you how to pull it up and get the same information I'm about to share with you. And so we have that. Let's take advantage of that. And so this word play, ruste, what does it mean in English? It says to be filled. Now, when you think about being filled, that kind of reminds you of, of this idea, this concept of, of you were filled at this point, that it happened that you were filled with the Holy Spirit, and you don't really have to worry about it after that, right? Be filled with the Spirit, that just means that, that, that uh, when you, you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then all of a sudden you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and you don't have to worry about it. Now, aspects of that is true. Yes, we are sealed to the redemption. Yes, I get that. There, there's a, I get those things. But when you pull out the meaning of this word to be filled, we get some other things. We get some, some ideas here. It's present imperative verb, which means that it has this concept of continuation. That it has happened. We are filled with the Spirit when we have the Lord. We are filled with the Spirit. But it's a choice we make every single day to surrender to that Spirit. It's a choice every single day that we say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Have you all already recognized that? Can I hear an amen? So that meaning, be filled, that's what it is, this continuization of, of, of choosing day after day to surrender to the Holy Spirit. And then it's got a predicate with a data, which that simply means that, that the word to be filled with, that word with, has a couple other meanings as well. And so not only are we to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but it's got this idea of being filled by the Holy Spirit and this idea of being filled in the Holy Spirit. And so the word with, we just kind of get this idea of, of, of someone with us. But it's much more than that. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we're filled in the Holy Spirit, we're filled by the Holy Spirit and with the Holy Spirit. You say, Pastor, why does that make a difference? It does make a difference. Because we are in Christ. Over and over again, the same idea of being in Christ. It's a state of believers. It's, it's if you 
are a true, born again, committed follower of Christ, that you are in Christ. We are filled in by and with the Holy Spirit. And we are to surrender to that. Let me just, you can flip back if you want, but I'm going to read it to you. It's Ephesians chapter 2, and it says in verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Simply this, church, salvation is a work of God. Amen? Amen. Salvation is a work of God. The moment we take credit for any part of it, there, in that moment, we have a chance to boast in what we have done. He says, it's nothing to do with us. It's grace by faith. And so, so we, we, we see this, and, and we've got to understand that when we're, we, we, we recognize this and understand this, that we are in Christ, and that we're filled with, by, and in the Holy Spirit. So long story short, to be filled with the Spirit means to be surrendered to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into the believer at that regenerate birth, at that new birth, when we accept the Lord and we, we surrender to that. Yes, the Holy Spirit comes, but then one continues to be filled by choosing daily to surrender to the Holy Spirit and denying ourselves. And so, what happens when one's filled with the Holy Spirit? What happens? When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, I'll tell you what happens. You read in Scripture what happens over and over and over again. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, you know our church life is affected. And our family life is affected. You know why? Because when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we respond differently in our relationships. When we're filled and surrendered to the Holy Spirit, we, we let Him guide us and lead us and give us discernment and wisdom and, and allow the fruit of the Spirit to come, that love and those patience, all those things we struggle with. When we're filled and surrendering to the Holy Spirit, amazing things happen. Dream with me for a second, church. If we were to all just surrender to the Holy Spirit, what would happen in this place? I don't think I'd be able to handle it. I don't, I don't think I would. I think I'd be blown away. And I'm already blown away by the people we have that are already surrendered to the Holy Spirit and what God is doing in that midst and what He's doing all over the place. I'm blown away by a church. If we were to fill, be filled with the Holy Spirit, things change. The fruit of the Spirit become evident in one's life. It's like that glove. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, people see less of you and see more of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Do you want to look at you or do you want to see God? Praise the Lord, right? When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, amazing things happen. We, we become bold in our witness. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we start recognizing that this has nothing to do with me and everything to do with God, and therefore I can talk about that more and more because it's Him, 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 and not me. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, things change. We are bolder in our witness. Our compassion becomes so much more alive. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we look at people so differently. Are you guilty of looking at people without the lens of the Holy Spirit? I confess. Those times when you drive, someone was telling me this week, they said they're driving down the road and they see a wreck. And, oh, yo, these guys, why do they, they text and drive and they just got themselves in that wreck and da 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 and they just get angry. They said, what in the world? And, and, and the, the wife, <laughs> no, this works. The wife says, honey, who knows what happened? Look what they're going through right now. And, and, and then that compassion sits in, right? <laughs> and then you feel about this big. But it's the difference of looking within ourselves, looking with that, our self lens, and looking with the Holy Spirit lens. Our compassion changes. Our generosity changes. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we tend to be more generous. You know why? 
Because when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's like last week we recognize that none of it's ours and it's all His anyways. And so we tend to be more generous with His things already. And so all this happens, ultimately, every aspect of our life changes when we're filled with the Spirit. So I want to make something clear again this morning as we look at the series. Your part matters. Your part matters and is effective when we are surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Only when we're surrendered to the Holy Spirit. So today, let's look at a couple different aspects of what that looks like. Do we surrender to the Spirit? What does that mean? How do we see that lived out? What does that look like? So let's, let's start through a couple things in Scripture. I'm going to be jumping around a little bit, and so I'm going to try to have it on the screens. I know if you can't read it, you can just listen. The first thing I want to come to is being surrendered to the Holy Spirit means we must not grieve the Spirit. And that comes in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 to 32. Again, I have them on the, the screens here. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 to 32. We must not be grieved. We must not grieve the Spirit. Listen to this. Verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole still no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no one, let no corrupt or perceived thing come out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Let's go back. Verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So if we're going to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit, something we need to focus on is not grieving the Holy Spirit. And so that's kind of an interesting concept in and of itself. Because if you can grieve the Holy Spirit, that means that God grieves. That God himself is a God who grieves. Uh, that, that's just an interesting concept to me. What does the word grieve mean? Well, well we kind of understand it, right? And, and it's such a powerful word that we only really associate it with, with people and our, our loved ones that have passed away, right? It's about the, really the most prominent place we use the word grieve. When you have someone that passes away, we grieve. It is hard. It hurts. It's a, it's a, a, a deep effect, a affliction. Are you with me? Have you grieved before church? I have. It's a hard thing. It's a deep hurt, a saddened, to be sorrowful, even to be offended and insulted in a way. All that comes into this word to be grieved. And so it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. The whole idea of, of God being grieved is not a new one, though. Read through the Old Testament. Read through the New Testament. Moses wrote that God was grieved before the flood, before the flood ever came. He was grieved at what was happening there. He was grieved at, at the, the, the sinfulness and, and, and wickedness that had come about. David wrote in the Psalm, Psalms 95, he wrote that God was grieved with the grumbling Israelites. He was grieved with them. And then you read uh, Isaiah, the suffering service on Isaiah 53. He prophesied that Jesus would be acquainted with grief. That Jesus... That the Messiah, the one that would come and suffer, the one who, who through his stripes and, 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 and pain and all that, that we would be healed by, that one would even be grieved. And then you read Jesus, the Gospels, and Jesus comes up to the, 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 the family there with Lazarus, and he weeps. 
He grieves with them. And then he comes before, before uh, the whole um, resurrection and, and, and crucifixion process. He comes into Jerusalem as he's entering in. He looks at Jerusalem and you know what he does? He weeps. He grieves. Well, every time when God grieves, it has something to do with his relationship with us. He's grieving over the brokenness in our relationship with him each time. And you know, I think the truth is, is we know the parts in our life that make God grieve. We know those parts. And so we fall into this horrible idea. I want to walk through this idea with you. Is that, that we kind of put Jesus where we want him. We kind of just place him in the places that, that we want him. And the places that we even protect Jesus, right? We put him in the places where, where in, in our life where, where we're the good person. And we have a good relationship with him. But in those places we're struggling and we're, we're, we're having a hard time. We, we, but Jesus, you don't want to be for this. How crazy is that? That's what he came and died for but we, we have this idea, and, and, and it even has come into this place of, of, of where we, we give this advice. Don't go anywhere you can't take the Lord along. You ever heard that? Don't go anywhere you can't take the Lord along. And it's got a good aspect, a good principle. I get that. But really, it's terrible advice. Don't, take, don't go anywhere you can't take the Lord around. Why is that terrible advice? Because here's the, the truth. If you, if you look at the scriptures and, and you understand, by definition, we cannot be followers of Christ and not be following him. So how are we ever to go somewhere that we don't take the Lord? How are we to ever even really choose our own direction if we're truly following Christ? Amen? Amen? So if we're truly in Christ, there's no place we can really go without God as well. If we're truly in Christ, then we talked about the Holy Spirit indwelling us. So we look at these things and, and, and we, we, we see this. But we've got this idea, and I don't know where it comes from. I do know where it comes from. It comes from this whole idea I'm talking about. We say when people come into to church, there's, there's just something special about church, right? The, the, the place. I'm not talking about the people here. I'm talking about the place. We say, you can't make those kind of jokes in church. You ever done that? You ever hit your husband? <gasps> you can't say that here. Or, or you, 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 you can't listen to that type of music in church. Oh, that's, you can't listen to that here. Or, or um, <laughs> I'm not going to, please don't take offense to this, but Three times I heard this today. Um, you're lying in the church house. <laughs> you're lying in the church house. Now I get where that comes from. Don't, don't get me wrong here. But there's a, there's a principle behind that of, of, man, what are you doing lying here? You're supposed to do that out there. What are we thinking when we say something like that? You know, We get this idea that we put Christ where we want him. And we think, well, the, the, not get this, the, the sanctuary is a holy place in a sense, but, but really, let's just get real for a second. There's nothing really super special about this place. It's brick and mortar. Are you with me? The thing that makes this place special is the Holy Spirit indwelling in us and us coming together, the church, the people coming together with one another. And praise the Lord, we have a beautiful place to do that. I'm so thankful for that. But the special thing is God indwelling in us coming together with one another. And so we got to get this idea out of our head that, that well, we can't say those things here as if it's a bigger deal inside of this place. Truthfully, we should be following Christ wherever we are, doing whatever we're doing. Kind of comes down to this idea here that, we, like I said, we put him where we want him. It's, and the reality is, is we should probably be less focused on where we want to take the Lord and be more focused on where he wants to take us. Are you with me? Be less focused on where we take him 
and be more focused on where he's taking us. And I think a surrendered life is one that does that. A surrendered life to the Holy Spirit is one that puts Christ first. But it's more than just about where we present Jesus in our lives and where we take Jesus and all that, the, the whole idea of those circumstances. Really, it ultimately comes down another way to, to what's inside our heart. What's inside of our heart? And, 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 and so those things often are what grieve us most. When you know, when I know someone's aggravated with me, it grieves me. And that's bad for a pastor because people are always aggravated at a pastor. But it grieves me. And, and, and it's, just, it's just a real thing. Um, and, and I think uh, it's not just with a pastor. All you do it too. If there's someone that has something wrong with you, you, you it grieves you. Because it's what's in their heart and what's in your heart. And you, you want that relationship to be restored, right? And so that's all part of it. And, but, but, but when we have other things in our heart, it, it grieves the Lord. It grieves Him. It breaks His heart. Listen to verse 31. Look, we'll look at verse 31 and see some of these things that grieve the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's hard to be filled with bitterness and be filled with the Spirit of God. Are you with me? It's hard to be filled with with bitterness and be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's hard to be filled with anger and be filled with the Spirit of God. It's hard to be filled with malice and be filled with the Spirit of God. It's hard to be filled with hatred and be filled with the Spirit of God. So my, my desire this morning is that we would confess those things. Me included. That we would confess those things and forsake those things and, 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 and grieve not the Holy Spirit. We would surrender to the Holy Spirit. And rather, when we're surrendered, instead of seeing malice and hatred and bitterness and anger and all those things, you know what we start to see? We start to see the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and meekness and, and, and self-control, self all those wonderful fruit of the Spirit that we, we hear. So grieve not the Holy Spirit. How else do we surrender? Number two, another way we surrender to the Holy Spirit is by not quenching the Holy Spirit. Look at 1 Thessalonians with me. I have it on the, the TVs. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 16. It says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And everything, give thanks for the for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's just stop there for a second. Well, people talk about a life verse and uh, talk about um, kind of verses that, that they live by. Listen to this. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. And for this is the will of God. <laughs> this is the will of God for, in Christ Jesus for you. Praise the Lord, right? Rejoice. Um, pray. Give thanks. But then listen to verse 19. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Verse 19 of chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good and abstain from every form of evil. Do not quench the spirit. What does that word mean to quench? <laughs> we don't use that very often. The only time I really think about ever using quench is I quench my thirst. But that's when we're proper and trying to show off. Uh, I need to go quench my thirst. Like that's about the only place you use that. Uh, I can't think of quenching anywhere else. So what does that word mean? Well, the word quench means to, to stop or to put out or to stifle or to extinguish, to, to get rid of, right? So, so if that's what the word quench means, if that's what, what it means, to think about this. Quench not the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit of God. Also, other translations might say suppress or stifle or even extinguish. In other words, do not restrain the Spirit. I think the water goes when you... I, I don't know. Y'all know that I don't do good with words. 
Y'all know that, right? By now, you should. And it's just because my mama had an eighth grade uh, uh, education, and, and this meant to be a shame, but if she had an eighth grade education, I get that, that, that times were different. And uh, I never learned anything. Um, Mom, if you're watching, please, uh, I don't know. Uh, I did learn things, but I never learned how to use right words. I thought water had two T's for the longest time of my life. I thought uh, uh, these words, uh, winder, instead of window, like just simple things. You'll still hear me say words that are wrong that I think are right. And this is one of them. I always was quenching the water hose uh, instead of cringing the water hose. And, and so I've always used that illustration even when I'm preaching. Don't quench the water hose. Don't cringe it. Don't. But, but this idea is that we're not to stop. We're not to restrain. We're not to stifle this Holy Spirit that comes through us. And I think of it this way. The Spirit is often described as a fire, right? When you think of the Old Testament, when they went through and, and the, it was by, by cloud, they were guided by day, and by fire, they were guided by night. And then you think of the, 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 when, when the church even started, and Pentecost, and the, and the Holy Spirit coming down on the people. What does it say? It's like tongues of fire coming down. And so this idea, and then even Revelation says, don't be lukewarm, as a sense like we should be on fire in a sense. And so this whole idea we see over and over again, and I see that throughout this. And so we're not to quench, we're not to stop, we're not to put out that fire that the Holy Spirit gives us. And in fact, we're to surrender to that Spirit and really let it set us ablaze. We're to die to ourselves. Let ourselves burn up and allow the Holy Spirit within us shine ever so bright and catch up waves. It's kind of like um, I'm using this as oxygen. We take the Word of God and we open it up and it's oxygen. It feeds that Holy Spirit. And then, then you pray and it's like it's like gasoline. You're throwing that onto the onto you and you, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, these things just start exploding and, and you're, you're glowing so bright with the fire of the Holy Spirit. And we're not to quench that. We're not to resist that. We're not to halt His work in our heart. We're not to do that. We're not to quench the Holy Spirit. You all remember the TVs back in the day? I, I never had one. My parents never had one. I'm too young. But I had a friend in school. And I go over to his grandma's house. And when I went to his grandma's house, it was so cool. Um, it was like going into an antique store. It really was. And uh, I go around and I'm like, what is this? Well, that's an old handheld drill. You don't remember those little little gears and you, you drill them? I was like, that's cool. And you go over here and what is this? Well, that's an a, a, a old cotton scale or an old meat grinder, whatever it is. I was just amazed by all the antiques. And then right in the living room, you know what was there? This big box with this glass square. I'm like, what in the world was that? It's a TV. You remember those the big, big box squares? They got that glass TV in them. And then you got these two knobs that I think it's UHF and, and, uh, and one over the other one. I don't remember what it is. But then you had these little knobs and they had the contrast and the brightness. And then you had the big long rabbit ears. Are you with me? Let me see a show of hands. I'll see how old you are. You don't have Oh my goodness. All right, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you remember, you take that knob and clook. It like literally made this clook noise and it changed the channel. Clook. There's only like five channels. Clunk, 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 and you're already at the beginning. And then you have this other thing that is tuning. And, and, and then you have this vertical hole or something like that. Because you remember it would be on like a wheel and it'd go like this. And, and you couldn't concentrate on anything. And it's static. It's just a rough deal. I'm thankful I live in the 21st century. But let me tell you this. We kind of live our lives like that old TV. 
general worry. We're anxious about everything, and we just struggle. And we're just overwhelmed by worry and anxiousness. Or, poof, fear, channel fear. And, and everything's just, just, just overwhelming us. We're afraid of everything, the future, the unknown, all the different things. Shoot. Channel and entertainment. Ah, I really enjoy this, so I'm going to keep doing it. Whether it's good or bad, or whether it's affected anyone else. Shoot. Channel addiction. Just struggling. But you know what? I'm just, it's all right. I'm just going to hang here for a little bit. But the truth is, is there's one channel we all need to tune to. Channel Holy Spirit. And then you know what you should do? Join me in doing this. When we get to Channel Holy Spirit, let's take that knob and rip it off. <laughs> If you had a remote back then, which I don't think you did, but if you had a remote, let's throw that thing out of here. Anything that's going to tempt you to change off the channel of Holy Spirit, let's get rid of it. And then, you know, you got the vertical hole and all those things, the contrast, the brightness. Work through the, the scriptures, through prayer, through other believers, and work on tuning to get a, a bright, rich, perfect picture of who Christ is. And when we tune into that Holy Spirit, some amazing things really start to happen. Discernment starts to follow. We start to get this thing called discernment and understanding, walking through things. We, we start to recognize who our guide is. And the Holy Spirit's a guide. He guides us. We, we start to experience this peace that surpasses all understanding. When we're tuned into that and we're paying attention, the static's out. We start to experience the, the comforter. The Holy Spirit is comforter, comforting you in those times of fear and anxiety and all those other channels you were on earlier. When we really surrender to the Holy Spirit, He starts to reveal Himself as counselor and walking you through decisions we make. Isn't it a beautiful thing, church? Maybe we repent of the ways we quench the Holy Spirit. And the other channels we pay attention to. <coughs> I switched to the Holy Spirit channel. The third way we surrender to the Holy Spirit is by choosing to walk in the Spirit. Choosing to walk in the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5. This one's a little more lengthy. But I want you to get it in context. Chapter 5 of Galatians. I have it on the screen there. I want you to listen. Verse 13. For you, brethren have been called to liberty, to freedom. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the fleshly stop. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, called to freedom. We just sung about that. We were on death row, and then he set us free. This liberty we have in Christ. But only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, listen to verse 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the work.
works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentiousness, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such there is no law. And those who are in that are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. May we walk in the Spirit. To walk in the Spirit. To live lives accordingly, to conduct one's life accordingly, to live in the Spirit. You know, walking also kind of has this idea of, of like, walking in the Spirit, walking in faith. You know, when we walk in faith, you think about all the times in the Scripture where, where the lame man got up and he was to walk in faith, and Peter getting out of the boat, walking in faith, and and, and, and Scripture, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith, not by sight. So to walk in the Spirit is really to take by faith that God has granted His filling of the Holy Spirit within us and that we continually surrender to Him. For to walk in the Spirit, we recognize that He's granted His filling of the Holy Spirit in us. And that we continually surrender to that. It's understanding again that salvation has nothing to do with us and everything to do with Him. Ephesians 2.8 For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's about who Jesus is and what he's done. It's about restoring us into a right relationship with God so that we can start again rejoicing in him, <laughs> celebrating him, glorifying him, ultimately loving him. Therefore, the way I see it, church, we have a choice today. And really a choice every day. And I think I'll leave it out sometimes. And I want to be clear that this choice is a choice of denial and surrendering to the Holy Spirit is, is a daily choice. I'm not talking about salvation in and of itself. I believe that once you are in Christ, He seals you for that day of redemption. I do. But there's a daily choice of denying me and surrendering to Him. And so do we walk according to the flesh? Here's the choice. Do we walk according to the flesh or according to the Spirit? There's the choice today. Do we walk according to the flesh or according to the Spirit? Where do you want to live your life? Pastor says we've been given amazing freedom in Christ. He surrendered his life to obedience. He gave us that freedom. He, even to the point of death, even on the cross, he gave his life so that we might have that freedom. But do not use it as an opportunity for the flesh, it says. Bible says the flesh and the spirit are contrary to one another. Meaning they, they collide. They, they, they don't appeal. They don't coexist. They collide. That the flesh and the spirit collide. Which is an radical, amazing thing that the spirit of God comes in and dwells inside the flesh. But they're 
contrary. We're to die to the self and, and surrender to the Holy Spirit. So think about this. Do we choose to walk according to the flesh or walk according to the Spirit? Look at these verses again, going back into verses 19 and 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentiousness, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Church, this troubles me. You know why it troubles me? Is because I see myself written all in that list. One who has outbursts of anger. I get angry, church. One who, who can be dissentious at times. And, and, and you name it over and over again. I see myself jealous at times. Hatred even. Idolatry. Putting things before Christ. Selfish ambitions. I see myself over and over again in this list. The truth is, is that every one of us are right there. This is us that it's talking about. It says that they will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is apart from Christ. This is us. Did you hear me? Apart from Christ, this is every one of us. And each one of these things grieve our Lord. Grieve the Holy Spirit. They quench the Spirit. And they keep us from walking in the Spirit. I read something that unsettled me from Multiply, a book Francis Chan writes. It says, it's impossible to be a disciple or a follower of someone and not end up like that person. Jesus said, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. That's the whole point of being a disciple of Jesus. We imitate him, carry on his ministry, and become like him in the process. Yet somehow many have come to believe that a person can be a Christian without being like Christ. A follower who doesn't follow. Where are you at? Are we walking according to the flesh? Or are we walking according to the Spirit? Because if we're walking according to the Spirit, we look much more like Jesus. And if we walk according to the flesh, we look much more like this huge list here. So today, I want you to choose. No more excuses. Our whole vision here is, is to experience God, connect with Him, connect with one another, and respond. And so each Sunday, we have a chance to respond. That's what this time is for, to respond. For God and the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, to work on your heart right this moment. It's not about this place. It's not about this altar. It's not about this place. It's about the person, Jesus Christ, who I'm asking you to seek right now. No excuses. None. Today is the day that you get to make a choice. And every day. But it starts today. Will I walk according to the flesh and let these fleshly desires and all these things continue to drive my life and surrender to those things and continue to be in the mess that I am over and over again? Or will I walk in the Spirit of God and look more like Christ and allow the fulfillment and joy that comes through that enter into my life? Where are you at today? Would you choose? When we sing, would you come to the altar and pray? Or would you sit in your pew and pray? Would you ask the Lord, help me make this decision today? Father God, I love you, Lord, and I'm so thankful for you. 
Lord, for the freedom, the liberty we have, Lord. You say we have liberty and freedom in the name of Christ. No longer bound under the law in that sense, Lord, that you freed us with this, this choice we get to make to walk according to the flesh or walk according to the Spirit. Lord, but let's not use it as an opportunity for the flesh. Let us rejoice in the freedom we have to make the decision to follow you. To do it more committedly. To do it to where we start to see ourselves look more like you. Lord, I pray that, that as we leave this place, that, that, that people that look like Jesus are going into these workplaces, and that people that look like Jesus are entering these schools, and that people that look like Jesus are, are moving the streets going to door to door. Lord, I pray that it's people that look like you. But Father, I know the reality of this is that the flesh is powerful, and that too often we surrender to it, Lord. And I pray for, for confession today, Lord, first and utmost with you, that we would confess to you of these places of, of where we're surrendered to the flesh and not you, and that we would trust that you would bring us and carry us out of that, and that we would take steps, Lord, to say, I'm following you. I want to walk according to the Spirit. Lord, help me walk according to the Spirit. I don't want to grieve you, Lord. I don't want to push you, Lord. I want to walk in you.
The Lord is good, isn't He? 